Hello and welcome to the James Kennedy podcast for December the 21st. This will be the final podcast of 2022. There won't be one next week because you know what? I'll be sitting on my ass, getting drunk and enjoying the Christmas holidays, as should you be doing. But what a roller coaster this year has been, man. This, this time of year, I, I quite like this time of year because it's a chance to reflect, you know, look back at the, uh, the year that, that's happened and, you know... <laughs> Things you've done, things you've learned, things you've had to overcome, and it's a time to kind of reflect and take stock and recharge, you know, and, and get yourself fired up for the new year ahead of you, you know? This year has seen some of the lowest points for me and also some of the highest. I mean, you know, I lost my father in May, which is, um, you know, one of the biggest tragedies anyone can have to deal with. You know, I think about him every day, and I probably always will. But I also got engaged to my wonderful love of my life, overlooking the caldera in gorgeous Santorini not long after and then I had the uh, the police incident of course you know <laughs> which was uh, stressful to say the least um, front page news here in Wales which which you know is not the kind of attention I want really so that's just kind of added to the prolonging the whole drama of the thing and then I've been getting these weird kind of um, like I got back in 2019 where I was getting these vertigo attacks and I had, I don't know if I've spoken about this before, back in 2019 I had um, a heart monitor on, I had an MRI scan, I had all my bloods done, I had my eyes checked, I had everything done, right? Um, and everything came back fine, uh, which was good to know, you know, but uh, I was I was getting this vertigo fainting thing and nausea and sensitivity to light and it was like a migraine and it was happening all the time. And uh, yeah, I felt like I was having a stroke or I was having a heart attack or something like that. So I went to A&E twice and they checked everything, checked my brain and checked my heart and everything was hunky-dory which was uh, amazing but it turned out that um it was exhaustion i was drinking way too much caffeine which wasn't helping and uh, just burning the candle at both ends basically my body was just kind of closing down on multiple fronts and i've had that back this year so it's been three years since i've had it and it's back in all of its glory so i think that's my body telling me that um you know it's time to put the brakes on you know that this year has been you know a hell of a lot of stress a hell of a lot of upset a hell of a lot of massively highs and lows quite intense um i haven't really been doing my true calling which is music i haven't been doing any of that shit because i've just been deep into the other stuff you know and i'm itching to get back you know i've got this awesome band and um i want to get out there and do some shows for you guys but i can't do that if i'm not you know mentally ready so uh, i'm gonna put the brakes on i'm gonna recharge i'm gonna enjoy some christmas cheer and some uh, good food good drink and good company and hopefully i'll be back Roaring like a lion straight out of the gates in January 2023, rearing to go and kick some fucking asses. So that's why I like this time of year. You know, it's a chance to kind of sit back, reflect, you know, do some do some soul searching, make some plans, get your mojo back and, and come out there swinging. So speaking of good company, today on the podcast, we've got my best friend in the world. I saved the best till last. This is the final podcast of the year, like I said. Um, those of you that have read my book, Noise Damage, will know of my long-term friendship with Mr. Alid Clifford, lead singer of the incredible band Henry's Funeral Shoe. He's going to be joining us today to chat all things about the band and give us the lowdown on what's happening at Camp HFS official and um, just shoot the shit. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> I actually only got him on because it's, it's, it's the only way that I, I can actually get to chat to him these days because he's so busy in his in his cool, awesome life. So I had to say, you know, do you want to come on the podcast? Because I knew he'd say yes to that, whereas, you know, he normally just avoids my calls. I'm joking, of course, because I speak to that dude every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day um i've been best friends with alid now since uh you know we were in college which seems like you know a long long time ago because it was and telling man you couldn't meet a better dude honestly he's, he's hilarious and he's a solid upstanding 
Awesome, awesome dude. And also an incredible musician with an amazing band. So if you haven't heard Henry's Funeral Shoe yet, what is wrong with you? And how is that possible even? Because they're everywhere. Um, if you haven't heard them, just press stop on the podcast and go and have your eardrums and your mind blown first by checking out the band and then come back and listen to the podcast. Making sure to subscribe and like and follow and share and click the ratings and all that jazz that I always ask you to do every single week whilst you're there. But for those of you who are already in the Henry's Funeral Shoe fan club like myself, we'll just get straight down to business and welcome onto the show. Not only one of the nicest, most talented and loveliest guys in the world, but my best friend on the planet and one half of the amazing bone-shattering band Henry's Funeral Shoe. Mr. Alec Clifford, it's uh, bizarre to speak to you through this medium. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just, um, I'm just chuffed to be on this podcast because it is going... I'd never get on a podcast of this caliber if I wasn't friends with a host, would I? <laughs> well, no, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> Let, let's be brutally honest. <laughs> Not at all, man. It's a privilege to have you on your dude. I, I, you know, I'm privileged you're, you're gracing my humble podcast because, you know, I know there's a shitload of Henry's Funeral Issue fans out there that want to know the lowdown and the gossip as to what's happening in the camp, you know? Um, but for those, like, I always, I always, I say this so often, you know, for the three douchebags who don't know, uh, you know, who you are, um, because they are out there somewhere, believe it or not. Um, let's, 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 let's set the terrain just, just for those guys that, that haven't been introduced to the mad world of, of the band yet. And just like, give us a lowdown on who you are. What's the band? You know, what's, what's the crack? We're just two brothers in a rock and roll band, really. And that's it. I suppose it's um, fashionable to be in a duo, or maybe it was, um, but it just came around purely by serendipity, osmosis, however you want to put it, just bloody happened. Um, and that's it, really. And we just, I, we've been described as like oh, blues, uh, blues rock, whatever. we're just a rock and roll band, and, and that is it. And it's it's you and your younger brother, isn't it? You and Bren. Uh, you, so it's so me and the, you sing the a play better guitar. looking one. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the better hair. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Better everything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, so, so we got Brennan Clifford smashing the skins behind you, and uh, and Mr. Yeah. The main man here, Mr. Ali Clifford, playing guitar and vocals. with two brothers uh, in a band called Henry's Funeral Shoe, and you know, kicking fucking ass basically for the past. How long have the band been together? You know, I was thinking this the other day. I don't know, really. It's like it kind of stopped, started, because I think it's at least 10 years, but we we went into like a limp mode beginning. We kind of, we did a bit, and then we didn't do anything. It was just like we didn't, but it kind of just, I don't know, it sort of took off then, really, with our first album. So yeah. it's got to be like, it might even be 12 years, really. Um, it, it's definitely like a full 10 of, of full on, because I think, yeah, no, our second album came out in 2011, so was it 2011? I can't remember, but yeah, so it's over 10 years anyway, really. That's um, crazy. It's, 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 it's nuts, in it, considering, yeah, I was thinking that the other day, and I was like, wow, it's got to be at least that. Um, but it's, it's down to my brother that we, we formed, because I was like, not even asked. That you, well, you know, you know what it's like. We've done yourself, including so many, like, um, different projects if you want to call it that that um and i was listening to the 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 um the blackout interview the other day the guy from the blackout what's his name sean oh it was class that was just like summed everything up it was brilliant because i know like <clears throat> i'm your mate and all that but i'm a, I really am a massive fan of the podcast i do like genuinely listen to it all the time 
listen to everything because it's right up my street on every subject. And um, that one was really interesting because he summed it all up there. I was thinking, like, when you asked me on, I was thinking, what more can I say? That he's just, <laughs> he just summed everything up, you know? He was just like, Christ, has he been living in this band with me as well? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I, I kind of think that's where the band, that's why the band started, my brother. Like, I think I was like, I, I think I was like 29 when we started, but I'd been like in bands before. And then I did like a year or a bit in another band, which were quite, they had like uh, really um, top management. And we worked in like all the best studios in London and Abbey Road and stuff like that. But I spent a lot of time with the engineer because um, we were into the same music. And, um, and all I heard was horror stories, just like, you know, mm. and I was just thinking, Jesus, man, this is like, what a weird business. And I, so I think I'm fortunate because I never, I never got into music to be rich and famous, really. I just, yeah. just wanted to play music, you know, which is probably the wrong, wrong sort of attitude to have, maybe. But so, yeah, and then I just remember coming back from London because I practically lived there for that time of year and a bit doing all those, like, all these mad things, you know. Um, and playing with all these massive bands, and all I was hearing was like horror stories, and I was thinking, "Fucking hell!" Like I'm just going to go home and play acoustic guitar and enjoy yeah. myself. Yeah. Because my other band, Magic Dog, quit had finished, and that broke my heart. And I was like, you know, when you're in bands and just gigging all the time. I think one time I was in like four different like bands or projects. Jesus. As you meant to be, like I was doing like Magic Dog. Then I did another project then i was doing my solo thing and then i was doing like like a jazz blues duo thing what the hell oh, was I, I remember doing? that yeah 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 who the hell do i think i am playing jazz and stuff? <laughs> and, um, but you you know you're out all the time you know that's what you meant to do yeah. when you're younger just be out and do it and chuck yourself in all these different situations and stuff and um yeah i just it kind of like i come back from london and i was just like thinking oh i'm not gonna i remember like amy Rodge was doing loads of acoustic stuff when she at the time before yeah. she got what she is now I was thinking, that's all right, I'll do that with her. And I did a couple of gigs with Amy and just, you know, and people like that, just going, I was happy, but I started jamming with my brother. He just pestered the hell out to meet the jam because he was so young at the time. And we got in, the, got in the room and it just felt right and he was almost created a monster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's his fault, really. It's his fault for my 10 years of misery. <laughs> I could have been, been um, happy and rich by now. Imagine if I put my 10 years of effort into something else. Do you know what I mean? Friggin' hell. Well, we've, yeah, we've had that conversation before, haven't we? It's like, you know, what if I'd gotten my... I think I mentioned it in the book, actually, because Mr. Mr. Alec Clifford here is the very Alec that I mentioned in the book, noise damage, quite frequently. And um, I think towards the end, I mentioned that me and you used to talk all the time, didn't we, about, like, you know, I wish I'd gotten a bloody apprenticeship in carpentry or something, you know, a trade uh, that I could yeah. actually earn a decent wage from, you know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny going back to what Sean said, you know, it's not woe is me, but it's like... It is literally like people sometimes just expect you to be grateful to play for nothing. Yep. It's like fuck me, like Jeremy, yep. and it, and um, I mean we've all got we've all got um, those stories. But um, yeah, I've looked back and I've and I've thought, shit, man. You know, you think like how much time and effort that is driving up and down the motorways and all the rest. When you do it because you love it, right? yeah. But it does come to a point where you think like, and it's not an age thing, I don't think, because I know people doing it still a lot older than me stuff. It's a it's just a state of mind where you come to and you're like, fuck, this is really taking over everything. Yeah. And I am knackered. I am I am mentally fucking and, and I think now doing because like, you know, everyone's got a podcast, I and I'm naturally curious. I was thinking like 
doing podcasts, listening to podcasts and stuff on sleep and things. And I was thinking, fucking hell, probably give myself dementia now from the lack of sleep I've had. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's fucking insane. Like, I remember when we played, like, we come back from Mississippi. We did a tour of Mississippi. I came back, missed the flight back, I think. So anyway, we got back Tuesday afternoon. I was back in work Wednesday morning. Wow. And I'm moving house on a Friday, like. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like people see, especially a band like Henry's Funeral Show, they've got such a fierce live show. You know what I mean? It's like a real tour de force. And it's two people making all that, all the noise of 10 men, you know. And, um, you know, you can see how much you guys love it and how much passion and and uh, yeah. energy is there when you're, when you're on stage together. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like a real fucking yeah. kinetic kind of um, force. But then the true reality, yeah. like you say, is that, you know, like the next day then, once you get back from, you know, driving back from london or you know nottingham or wherever yeah. it might be you know you got yeah. you know you got two kids in the house you know you got a job yeah, you yeah, got yeah. A, and people don't see yeah. that side of it they just think that you're rocking onto some party and then you're rocking onto another gig yeah. and, you know you live in this little fantasy world you know yeah i almost i mean i don't blame them for that because like nobody wants to come to the show when you're somebody moaning you know, it's, just not, <laughs> it's, it's just like i remember mate i come i think i think we just got lucky when we I'd done, I kind of got all the playing out of my system, really. And like I said, I was in a band with my some of my best mates, Magic Dog, and I loved it. And I really loved it, you know. Um, it was hard, but the fun was immense. And like when I quit, like you kind of like, it's almost like losing a girlfriend or something. You don't yeah, have to do totally. it yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, really, really weird. Um, I suppose anyone who's played sport or whatever, and they were the mates every weekend, and then they get injured and they can't play. It's, it's that type of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And then, and then I, got in, I got in another situation, which I didn't really like the music with the band, but I just thought, oh, I've got to do this. This is what I've got to do to be a musician. So, you know, practically living in London for a year. And, uh, you know, I, was, I bought a house at the time. I was doing that up. So I'd come back and then I'd be like ripping up floorboards and fucking knocking down walls. And all that. Was, like, relentless. Yeah. But it's just what you do, right? So, but, um... I lost my train of thought now. Shit, where have I gone? See, it's mad. Um, <laughs> it's the drugs. Okay, but, um, we, we, didn't, we, we forgot to mention yeah, that Alan yeah. is a raging drug addict. You know, this is going to happen throughout the conversation. That's it. I, I, um, yeah, it's all the heroin. <laughs> Don't ever go out in the car with me, dude. It won't be worth your while. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, coffee. Yeah, coffee is my drug of choice. No, but it's like... Um, you just do it, don't you? You just do it. Yeah. Um, but then listening, I, I was always like thinking, we always run the band as a business as much as we could from the word off because the band started, we had a couple of songs and then it was in the MySpace days, you know, when we yeah. got signed through MySpace. That was my brother's like tenacity. Like he put it out there. He just, he's like the biggest fan of the band. I wasn't that bothered. I just loved playing, you know, and I wasn't, I was adamant I wouldn't chase that again, you know, after chasing it for how many years, you know. And, um, they were, they were like, oh, have you got enough songs to record an album? And we're like, yeah, but we didn't. Right. So I asked the boys in Magic Dog if I could use the songs I pretty much, I wrote like one or two songs fully in the band. And then we'd like, we'd worked out the arrangement, but that's how we would work in a band. Somebody would, we'd either work on something together or some, or they'd have something separately or whatever. And these just happened to be ones that I'd more or less written all myself. Certainly lyrically, like. Um, and, and they were like, I was like, boys, can I use these? To beef up the album and they were like yeah and i had an acoustic song and and that was it and we yeah. just so we had like four or five we'd written as the band because it would be better, been together a couple of months but what we did is we didn't script on savings from a big uh, savings sorry re recording so we we made sure we spent as much money as we could down in sonic one with tim which yeah. is amazing i bet him through magic dog 
I love this drum sound, sound of the gone drum. So we went down there, and I think what happened was with the MySpace, we had a better sound coming over the speakers Got than it. anyone else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think, so right off the off then, we did that, and then it was like, oh, oh do you want to go on a tour? Because they, they had good connections with a, a, tour, a good touring agent who'd done, like, you know, the White Stripes and the Datsuns and all these other bands. And um, so I sold my car. Wow. Um, bought, a va- bought a van and just went on tour to Holland and like slept in the van. And it was just like that. But I think we did that in September. By the March then, we did a, t- a two-month tour of Europe. We did like five or six countries. But I'd seen the business then from a tour inside. And then I'd seen it from being in like, um, you know, working in with some, you know, the producer we were working with was doing like, I think he'd done like the Arctic Monkeys and he'd done... All I know is like fifty grand for three songs, and he'd done huge bands in the eight, in the nineties, like all the big selling. Like I think he did the the biggest selling Travis album, he did the wow. Darkness, he did the Manix albums, everything you know the everything must go album is his album. Yeah, right. um, so he'd done all that. So and I spent a lot of time with him rather than going up on the piss. Like after we done, who, who are you talking about? You're talking about Steve Bush. No, um, I've done some work with Steve afterwards, but this is Ian Grimble. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, two kilohertz i don't know if it's still there but he was a real interesting character and we got on really well because we were just into music and the same music i remember we'd stay up well, we stayed up one night and i was just drinking vodka and listening to like he was playing me basically all these artists he recorded and they were freaking amazing and how they'd not got it anyway right and it was like yeah. how is this not got you know and then he would tell me the horror story behind you know the you know a band would be shelved and blah, blah, blah. And then you say, oh, this band, this, this female artist is big in, I don't know, fucking Indonesia or something. It was just bizarre. Um, but I just got to hear all the horror stories. And then I spent some time with the mixing engineer in Abbey Road, who I got on really well with. And he would do the same. And then he, so he wasn't like, say they wouldn't do it on purpose, like horror stories, just tell me about the industry. And I was well, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, you're just chatting. Everyone's anecdotes, yeah. unfortunately, you know, <laughs> tend, tend to end badly. Don't they? they don't, don't tend to end with a happy ending. Like, you know, it's just the nature of the business. Yeah. And I, and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't all doom and gloom. And I mean, he'd be playing me stuff and I'd be going, wow, this is amazing. You know, what are they doing? What's she doing? What's he doing? And he'd be like, well, actually they, nothing. And then yeah. he'd tell me the reason why. And you realize it's like, it's more about politics and timing, isn't it? You know? Yeah, and luck. Within, yeah, big time. You know, and luck, you know. Um, and I just remember thinking, the type of music I love is not going to... I'm not going to make a living out of this properly. Um, or did I think... like I just think I just think I was a bit bummed out, to be honest. I was like, man, this is just depressing. This is one fucking horror story after another with people who are far more talented than I am. Yeah. And will ever be. And I just like, well, I'm just going to go back to home to Wales and I'm just going to play acoustic shows and play the songs I love and make, and keep it simple. And, um, uh, and so then when I did come and we did do all that with the band, it was kind of like, I was like, oh, I'm going to run this like a business. I remember thinking that in mm. terms of like we would gig and we'd get like 30 quid, 20 quid, 50 quid, whatever. We just chucked it in a pot. And then when it came to time to like buy a van or reinvest in better recordings, I remember thinking, that, I was thinking, I'm not going to make crap recordings. I want to make good recordings of anything we do. So it all went into that. 
it was it was always regenerating itself yeah you were very sensible like that because i remember i mean i i was privy to like the the, the very first demo that you yeah. guys did at henry's funeral show and like yeah before that you were doing kind of solo acoustic stuff and you know playing in different mm-hmm. bands and things but i remember you sent me the first demo for henry's funeral show i was like fucking hell jesus i'd never heard you doing anything like that before you know the way you were singing and the the music was so aggressive and i was like man this is yeah this is i like this you know what i mean this is my kind of thing and i was it was a real shock but it sounded like a real together sound it sounded like the band had been together for ages but you know it was straight off the cuff they just had that kind of vibe there you know it just seemed to obviously something worked in the room and it was meant to be you know i think you're right i think my wife came once to a rehearsal and she was like and we played the song the first song we wrote together i remember writing henry's funeral shoe in the bedroom i wanted to sound like the first you know like bleach you know i love that album yeah the, yeah the sound of the drums and stuff and um she came to the, I remember her coming to rehearsal and we did, and she was just like gobsmacked, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, really? Is that good? And she was like, fucking hell. And I was, because I hate being a front man. So right. I, I really hate it. I don't like people looking at me. I'm not very like, I'm not a people person. I'm really a miserable bastard, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he is, like, yeah. <laughs> and I just like to keep myself to my... I think that's what I enjoyed about the other bands, is I would like... I'd be the guy on the side, so I could just, like, make noise and, you know. But, so the idea was, is we'd record a demo as best we could and then get in a singer and a bass player and whatever, build a band up. But it, it, it was evident, really, on the recordings that we didn't... People we played it to were like... Well, you don't need anyone else. Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, and it wasn't, you know, you know my background in terms of my music. So like, it wasn't trying to follow the black keys or the white stripes or all that. Because when they came along, I wasn't even impressed by them in the way that it wasn't new to me because it just sounded like Bucka White or um, or just like uh, Sun House and things like. That. It just sounded like that electrified. You know, I wasn't really like. I liked it. It was all right, but I wasn't listening to it. You know, I wasn't like uh, thinking, right, I'm going to put a duo yeah, together yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just didn't, you know, I mean, people, you know, following the band or watch the band or, you know, we've been like, people say, oh, they're poor man's black keys or whatever. That's fine. I don't yeah, mind that. People are always going to make those associations with things and they, you know what I mean? It's yeah, stupid. yeah, yeah. And, and they've, if they've got nothing else to compare it to, that's absolutely fine. But there was never, my intention you know yeah, our yeah. intention it was it, so that's how i know it. it happened just naturally and without without any sort of plan we didn't have a plan other than just keep going you know um and that's it really that's how the band sort of evolved and we just kind of got on that for a long time we got on that circuit and well it took off quite quick for you guys as well didn't it because you yeah. literally went from nothing really yeah, like you, here's our first demo. Here's the sound. It's all there, and then suddenly, you know, you're signed to a live records in America, and you're yeah. touring Europe, and you know the, yeah, like, yeah. the the car advert with um, Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen, you know, on the uh, the Fiat ad and stuff. And it was just like it was like it was one of those it was one of those stories that you hear about time and time again, and it where like a band just hits that kind of zeitgeist and just takes off you know what i mean and normally yeah. like sean you know, bring it back bring it back to what sean was talking about last week um yeah normally what happens is like in the case of a band like pretty vicious you know they're on that mm-hmm. roller coaster and then all of a sudden it fucking explodes or implodes whereas for you guys like coming back to what you said about being business savvy was almost like you kind of ri- rode that wave and then you jumped off when it was uh, you know when it was in full full speed and then you took the reins yourself you kind of went into 
independent. Yeah. You took the wheel and you used your business savvy to um you know, to actually continue to finance the band. To this day, I think you're still you're still doing that model, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think like going back to what you said about being business savvy, it was almost a case of like we got offered some we got off some, you know, I wouldn't name any labels, but we got offered some decent stuff. Um, you know, we got the, you know, you go to London, you do all the, the whining and dining. Yeah. But ultimately, just like Sean was saying, it's like, funny enough, when I was hearing his pretty vicious stories, I heard all those stories as well, because I know people associated with all that. And I feel really sorry for him because they got really hoodwinked. But we got... Not to that level, but we did get offered a hell of a lot of things. And you'd go there and you'd do that and spend a day with them with these people. And then, you know, they want to want to sign over all your music for for your, the rest of your life and give you nothing for it. And I was yeah. like, yeah. And they'd say, yeah, but we're going to send you to Japan and stuff. And I'd be like, well, yeah, that's fine. But I need to fucking eat. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not like, I just, maybe because again, going back to being like, I'm really like, I am quite like sort of I suppose negative but I just I just could see through the bullshit I just wasn't impressed I'm not impressed with flashy things so I didn't give a fuck like do you know what I mean it's like yeah but we'll give you these amplifiers to use and I'm yeah. like I've got a decent amplifier yeah but what about this guitar so I bet I got a fucking guitar works all right you know what I mean it's like <laughs> literally like how am I going to pay the bills and that's yeah. all I give a fuck about yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. it's like you know and again I think by so many times I've been to so many parts of the world again it sounds like did I? Because I always want to travel, but I want to do it through music, and yeah. I never got to do it. And all of a sudden, the band hit off, and I've been to fucking monumental places. So when you get like promised all these things, I was just like, and I think because we'd done a lot on our own back, by the time anyone got a sniff of any bigger, they they'd be saying, "Oh, we'd send you this, send you that." I was like, "Fucking already been there, already yeah, been there." Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's just like, where's the money? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's not all about the money, but it fucking is about the money. But you've made money, though. You're one of the few bands I know that have actually yeah. made money, you know? It's, well, and, well, you, and you have been very clever about it. But also, I suppose, the nature of what you do, like like two men can make the, the same noise as ten men in your band. So I suppose you've got a tight ship in that sense. You know, you you, yeah. you haven't got, like, you know, you, you, your show is very, like, punk rock, and, 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 you know, it's just you two on the stage. There's no fucking frills or fireworks, you know what I mean? Mean, and you just, I think you know. that's what it was. It's like again, I was going back. It's what you learned. Then it's like I learned. I played in another band, and it was like it was very professional. We had all these backing tracks. We played to a click track. Right. We had string sections coming over. But fuck me, like you know, you turn up for a sound check and you'd be there for hours. Yeah. And then if the sound engineer decided to have a joint or a fucking drink, it fuck up. You know, so it's like oh, get here for three o'clock, boys. Yeah. She so drive all the way to fucking Nottingham for three o'clock, and then for like 45 minutes of a show to be fucked up. So if that was a conscious effort, I remember thinking, I'm going to strip this back yeah. so that it works. So like really, like on the tracks, like say if you get the albums or the EPs, or there'll be horns on stuff, there'll be piano, there'll be, there'll be different instrumentation because then I thought, well, there's a different listening experience for the, right. you know, that's why we've not done a live album yet. It's like, oh, we'll do a live album. But it's like, well, we're not bringing anything new. It's just like two guys on stage, people going to hold their phones up. Right. So before lockdown, we were going to do a, a live album. We had a we had a tour in Russia, ironically, and Germany and a few other places. Then a further summer tour, but obviously that was. But our idea was because what we do is self funding. So like, like right, we'll go out there on tour, we'll get some money, then we'll pull that back and make a live album with like a horn section, 
fucking harmonica players, all these things to make. Like, if we do make a live album, then that's something, you know, we can't play live like that all the time. So when people yeah. buy it, it's a different experience. Sort of different, yeah. Yeah, so like our our albums, they do have elements of everything because then when they come to see us live, it's no frills. It's, you know, we're going to kick your head in from the stage. And then when they have the <laughs> album, it's like, oh, there's an acoustic track on it. Oh, there's strings or there's whatever, you know. So that's, you know, that, that, that was always conscious. But I think we have made money and we've put it back in, but we've fucking lost it. You know, it's the same as like you said, we... I remember when we had our car advert in 2012, it was. Like, it's weird how the business works. We were on a tiny little label. Great label. They were brilliant to us. But, like, they were, like, wouldn't put any money into promoting the song on. They were, like, well, that's not very cool having a song on a car advert. I was, like, eh? okay. Right, okay. But it is the biggest car advert in America right now. <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? It's, like, yeah. it's got the biggest, you know, controversial uh, um, actor on the advert. It was it was all these things, you know, and they bought it for a lot of money. Yeah, but this is how we were naive at the time. We'd only been going a couple of years, and it was just like we lost thirty grand from dollars to pounds. Yeah, during just the transfer, and I was like, "Where's the rest of my money?" And then we hired this um, accountant who, <laughs> who subsequently went to prison. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "We had all this money." more money we'd ever seen in our life and then it went <laughs> during me it was like i remember us falling up and going oh can we speak to where i won't mention the guy's name and he's like oh he's not with us anymore i was like oh sorry he thought he's dead and she was like oh, he's in prison i was like oh fuck and then um it actually made the paper like do you know what i mean wow he did two years tax evasion and made the national press fucking hell so, so you go from like and then we got slammed for ta- like we'd go down there you know, they were like, oh, we got it. they wouldn't take our calls. And the thing is, you know what it's like with the HMRC. they like, it's your accounts. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if it fucks up, it's all on your head. Yeah, and what the fuck do we know about that shit? You know what I mean? We just play guitar. like Exactly. That's why when they go, oh, fucking so-and-so didn't play his attacks. And, you know, they're really hard maybe on a rock star or whatever. Yeah. Now, I used to be that person. Not pay, and now I realize, like, well, no. The accountants fuck you up. It's not, do you know what I mean? It's, but we don't know anything about it. You know, we employ these people to just take care of it for us, you know? Exactly. Just like, really, in the space of like, I don't know, two years, we had more money than I had seen in my whole life, and it went. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. but everyone, you know, going back, well, sure, everyone's got that, you know, and it did lead to like, because we had that press then, it was like, we did manage to get like on tour with Kiss things and stuff like that. But, all these little sharks come, you know, we had a dodgy manager who kind of, yeah. us. we were too trusting, you know, and it's like, you know, trust, I tell you what, put, let's put it this way. If I had that type of money now, I wouldn't fucking be so stupid as to trust other people. Yeah. I would literally be like reinvested in the band, but not reinvested in other people, you know, yeah. um, you, you just kind of, you, you do the things. It was all really, we, we reinvested in the band, to its detriment you know right. we, we we wanted to grow it and stuff and it just we got ultimately got fucking shafted but in the way that we weren't daft enough not to give up our jobs yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and things like that it was always i knew you know like i went on when we went on tour for six for six weeks or two months across europe in the early stages of the band i was like this is fucking hard work because like yeah we made money but we drove ourselves yeah. So it's like, and we always do. So 
other bands would hire drivers, they'd hire merch guys. We were like, okay, we need, you know, to, to survive, you've got to do this yourself. So you could have like a, a, a nine to 14 hour drive across France, you know, then, you know, this crack, you do the yeah. sound check, the blah, yeah. blah, blah. I remember my buddy going, oh, that sounds really hard, joking. And I was like, well, it isn't hard <laughs> physically, but mentally, like, it's like, you know, you get, we get into a hotel in Switzerland at four in the morning, the concierge was just like, do you want breakfast? Yeah, people don't <laughs> get it, man. You, people don't get it. And I was like, five-star hotel. I was like, this is amazing, but I've got three hours sleep until yeah. i got to get to France. Now. Yeah. And it's great, right? And all that is awesome. But it's not sustainable for any length of time. It, it, do you know what I mean? It's like, because if you're not on tour, you're not making money because you're not making money from album sales and yeah. stuff. We fortunately got like real good fan base and that sustains us in some model, right? In some way when we're not on tour. But like, it's, it's, we went on tour with this band and they, <laughs> they had a driver and a merch guy and he was from America. And we started the tour with them. I think we started in St. Marlo. I can't remember. Anyway, and we, and we finished with them in, I think we finished with them in Germany and we'd be, so we'd like, we'd see them along now and again along this tour we'd meet at a certain festival and then blah 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 and no word of a lie right but the, the end of that two months he was green like, he was <laughs> fucking terrible <laughs> I was just like fucking hell he was trying to stay up partying and he tried and I was like fucking can't do it. no chance can't do it you, man you, it's impossible it's impossible and like <laughs> it was just funny and I just remember thinking I want to do this for the rest of my life but on my terms because yeah, yeah. it's not you know, I, I just, I just won't do it. And then having kids, I mean, kids, my kids are a bit older now, so I don't mind being away longer. But I remember when my boy was really young and like we, we were six weeks in France, we'd have like three days off. So I'd just drive home to see him. Like, I remember. Like, yeah. Fucking, yeah. Drive home to see him for a couple of hours and go again. It's a wild life, man. You know, people, they, yeah, they don't, they, you either get it or you don't. I think anyone that's done it, you know, kind of doesn't yeah. need that explained because they just totally get it. But like, um, yeah, like we we talked about Ian Winwood's book Bodies. I don't know if you've had a chance to yeah. read that yet. I but, haven't read it yet. No, oh, right, it's brilliant. The interview was amazing. Oh, it's brilliant. And he amazing. talks about this thing of like, it's, it, you can't complain about any of it because it's not seen as a proper job. It's seen as glamorous <laughs> yeah. that you'll go into Switzerland and stay in these five star hotels to then go on to play a show and have people you know worship you and buy you free drinks and stuff. You know, they you know you're not allowed to complain about any of that. But the, the all it takes on you as a human being it's fucking huge man and it's just weird as well that feeling of always being in a state of flux because you know you go somewhere you have this really intense experience and then like an hour later you're on the motorway in the dark again you know it's it's weird yeah 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 and it's very much like don't get me the thing is like you have to back it up same as what song was doing the world with me don't get me wrong i'm not it's not lost on me but it's like you were saying it's just like Oh, this is a gig in Switzerland. Cool. What what time do we fly in? Okay, blah, blah. So you'd like so you book a day off on work, you know, you book a day or afternoon off, and then you, you go, Where's the cheapest flights from? Or Birmingham. Fuck, right, okay. You drive to Birmingham, you know, you you drive to Birmingham at 12, 12 midnight, you know. You drive up, you get the plane, you you go over, you do it, then you come back, you drive back, and you get up for work the next day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's literally it. Then it's like so you could it's not like you're driving in and you're going to sit on your ass for a couple of days, like, oh, back to work, you know? Um, and that's just how it is. And, and like, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it, Yeah. but it is emotionally and like, I, I, yeah, emotionally like lack of sleep. And I can really like, it, oh, it's a it, fucker, man. It, it fucking ruins you. Like, it but a fucker, it's, yeah. 
but you have to, that's, you know, you keep doing it because you love it. But it's like, uh, for me, I had massive, I, I have massive stage fights. It was even worse. I think like when the band were doing really well and we were gigging a lot, we were in Europe a lot and blah, blah, blah. And I just like, it got to the stage where like, I had to have a word myself because I was like, I think I need to stop in it because it would have, I had to stop the band or because I don't like being on stage. I love being on stage and I love playing the music. I fucking love that. But I hate, <laughs> I hate being a front man. Right. I hate people looking at me. Well, <laughs> I hate people looking at me. I hate having to talk on between the mic because right. like, I've got pretty like dark humor and I'm thinking yeah. like, they're just looking at me going, oh, look at that prick up there, you know. And well, it's not until, like, if you gig with the Americans, <laughs> they're, very, they're very positive. Like, yeah. When they're like, hey, man, nobody wants you to fail and blah. But I I just come from that mindset of, like... We're British. You know, nobody wants you to succeed. Everybody gets... That makes them feel bad. Everybody wants you to fail, you know? So it's like, yeah. we, we push each other down here. It's like, look at that guy yeah. playing the guitar. He thinks he's something. Then he, what a pretentious wanker. You know what I mean? Stay in your box like us, you prick. Yeah, that blast it. And the worst thing is, like, people say to me, oh, you look like Noah Gallagher or Liam Gallagher. So I've thought about shaving my head because I'm like, I don't even listen to that music. <laughs> so it's not, do you know what I mean? It's, so it's not like, it just doesn't come natural to me. I don't like it. I have a very dark sense of humor. So when I'm on the microphone, I do sound like I'm trying to be smug and I'm not. And I don't, and all these things. And like, the way I play guitar, it would all come back. It's like I'm playing different tunings. Yeah. So I'd be worried going, fuck, man, if, um, or if this breaks now, what? How do I, yeah. you know, go from one song to the other? That guitar's tuned like this. And, do you know what I mean? It would be all these stresses and anxieties. And I remember when we did um, the the gig with Kiss. Funny enough, I was I'd lay on the floor in no word of life for like forty five minutes. Wow! And I'm not even a fan of Kiss, right? Don't even know anything by them. We got on it through our our manager. Um, a dodgy man, just suppose, really. But anyway, <laughs> because I got so worked up. Yeah, you know the story about that. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was lying on the floor of the shower, right, on this fucking massive cruise ship, just not enjoying it. Just yeah, it's mad, right it? And I think my brother got got a stage where I was bumming my brother out, I think, because he was just like, and, you know, I was making him too nervous. I, I did, we'd do sound checks, and I'd be like, oh, that's all right, that's all right. I just... I just want, you know, and if we do a gig and they go, we only want half an hour, I'd be happy. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like always making excuses, always worried about my voice because how I sing is, it just, it just happened. Is That wasn't, again, it wasn't like any sort of conscious choice to, to sing as aggressively as I do. Yeah. It just happens. That's why sometimes on the albums or the EPs, people's, if there's a slower song, they think my brother's singing. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> And, I, and then I'd blow my voice and I'd be worried about blowing yeah, my voice. Yeah. And all those things. And, and I just thought in the end, i got to start learning to enjoy this. Otherwise, there's, n- there's no point doing it. And yeah. I started to, ironically, after, just before <laughs> just before lockdown. So all those fucking years, I literally was having monumental experiences and not enjoying them. You know, it, it, because I was too nervous on stage and I hated being on stage. I loved the music. It always felt like someone used to say, like, after the gig, oh, the third member was here tonight. You, it right. would swamp around you, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, you know, it's like I don't, I don't know, I just, I don't like people 
looking at me. I don't like people. <laughs> well, it's, no, yeah, okay. I mean, that's not why we get into it. I mean, there are, there are people who are naturally exhibitionists who need that kind of attention. But I mean, I, I don't think that's true of most performers, in all honesty. I think like we, our passion is for the music and the instrument. And then, you know, there's yeah. this other element that it just comes with the job, you know what I mean? Which it, really- Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, yeah, I think uh, when I played it, I think I, I played in a band before and the guy would say like, when I was doing like, I suppose it's called like, session work if you want to call it that but anyway he would you know we were doing all the work in London and we were playing with some pretty fucking big bands and um he'd like he'd look out in the audience you know while we'd be in a festival and he'd look out and he'd say like I can't wait to play to these chicks all night man and I'd right, be thinking right. the opposite yeah I was thinking I just don't think like I'd be thinking I hope I don't fuck up but my guitar sounds good <laughs> off but they don't look at me Jeremy this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's just I you know I'm the wrong per- basically I'm the wrong person for the fucking job you know <laughs> well, I, um, I, th- I think your fans would disagree with that man and I think it'd be like uh, probably fascinating I think for the fans of the band to hear this because like I said the 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 the, the, the personality on stage uh, looks like the sort of guy that could smash a fucking hole through you you know what I mean and, and the well, force of energy coming from the band so it's really it's, I mean it's great that you're all this open and honest about it because I think it's really interesting I don't think anyone that's ever seen the band live would ever imagine that all that was going on in your head whilst you were doing what you do on stage I think it's probably this is more than anything is an age thing is before you have to put on a front now I just I don't give a fuck like it's just mm. like well you know, I've kind of, I think when release comfortable skin is why I, I, that title is I always wanted to have comfortable skin, you right. know, feel confident on the stage. Yeah. But I don't, and I still don't, but it's, I think maybe that's why it sounds like that is through frustration. And the only way, I've, the only reason I've got through a lot of them is my brother. He's like the biggest fan of the band. He just yeah. loves playing the music of the band. Um, and he would get excited and his excitement would, I would feed off his excitement. And he's an ultimate professional, you know. Um, yeah. He'd, I'd do his editing because, like, if we come up with a song and there's an arrangement, he will not forget that arrangement. But there's, I, I'm mulling over going, <laughs> oh, maybe it should go like this, maybe it should change it. And, you know, we get rehearsals and I go, oh, and he's like, oh, fuck, I've learned it this way now. You know what I'm yeah, like, oh. yeah. But it's always... Like, he's in insane, days, man. He's insane. Like, like I, I remember um, he was doing some drum stuff down at the studio that I used to work in, and he just smashes mm. everything one take. He, he is the one take bastard. You know, he can just knock it out flawless first time, no problem, done. You know what I mean? It's like, I hate people like that. He's honestly... I'm not just saying it because my brother. It's fascinating in the fact, like, again, nerves, anxiety thing. We're recording the third album, and we had this song, and when I went to the toilet, he was. He said to the. He said to Tim. He's like, "Oh, I'm just going to lay the drums down for this because he's nervous about this song." Blah blah blah. So he went in and played the drums right to a click track, right? But fuck all else. Perfect. <laughs> so I. Do you know like usually now, right? You know when you you program a song, don't you know? It's not a click track. Really. They program the drums. Don't they? they program yeah. the beat for you to play along. With. Yeah. So I was pay- I was playing along to an actual drummer that has played to a fucking click track. He is fucking insane. And I'm not oh, saying yeah. it, he's my... No, he, no, no, man. I could testify he, to that as well, man. He, he's done it before. We had a song, right, on the second album, which, again, the other thing is I play with different tunings and that pisses him off. And I can't remember what tunings or settings on the amps <laughs> or fucking anything right, on the pedals. We, we've, we've left some songs off stuff, which... I, because we can't nail it, because I can't remember what I had my pedals on, which I take pictures of. Right. That one, blah, blah. But we had this one, and like, it was just a loop, right? So it was a guitar loop. 
which sounds easy, but there would be parts on there then when the drums had to change because, like, the, the vocal lines changed or whatever. Right. You know? And he fucking went in and did it in fucking one, right? So this this was a loop. I did a loop. I give it to the guy, and he just played, right? And I was like, fucking... And all I had to do was go in and sing it. He literally, I was like, he knew the song that well that he could play it, and he knew how I sang it vocally, so where my phrasing yeah. would would be. It's fucking nuts. It's like, nuts. It's, it's, it is nuts. Yeah. It's, it's fucking nuts. And, like, that's how, like, I've gone through so much, because, like, I go in the studio, and I'd second-guess everything, and he wouldn't be like, no, it's fine. He'd, he'd always, like, you know, he's always a voice of reason, but, like, especially gigging, I, I, he wouldn't tell me. Like, sometimes people would turn up, they'd drive, like, two hours to come and watch us and things like that, and he just wouldn't tell me, because he knew. Right, it freak you thinking, out. Yeah. Because also, because I'm always like, oh fucking hell, they pay they two hours to come and see us. You no, know? what if we fucking shit? What if my voice goes? You know, I want to waste the money. But do you know what I mean? It's not like that. That's just how I am. That's mad. But I mean, that's that's part of like that's part of what makes you you though, isn't it? It's like if if you didn't have those parts, you wouldn't be the musician you are. You wouldn't make the music you make, and you wouldn't perform it the way you do. So it's kind of like that bit of sweet. Thing, whereas like you yeah. wish you didn't have that, but then if you didn't have that, you maybe the music would lose something, yeah. you know. He, he, he saved my ass. He's almost like that pushy mother that gets you on the stage, right? Do you know what I mean? Get fucking pushing your child on the stage. Um, so I kind of had to enjoy it for my brother's benefit as much as anything else. But it's just um, that's how we got frustrating because you know we had lockdown and like I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm comfortable now. I think I'm our third album did so well. Um, critically and all that. And I was really like chuffed with them. We had a hell of a lot planned. Um, and I was like, right, I am going to enjoy this now. I am going to do this. Blah, blah. And then like, just got the rug pulled. Mm. You know I mean? But so did everyone. Yeah. But, uh, but what I mean is I was in a different state um, with the band sort of mentally. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, it wasn't, I just learned to enjoy myself. Um, and then we got stopped, you know, so well, now you got to start from scratch again. Now after after getting your head into yeah. that place where you were ready to do that, and now you got to try and get yes. your head back in that zone again after all this time off, you know. Exactly, and I'm, you know, as a you know, lockdown, lots of things have happened, and we lost our we had a fantastic booking agent in Europe. We lost him because he wanted to scale things back, which is which is fine, you know. We still made some stuff, but he his business got exceptionally bigger, and his bands got bigger. Um, you know, we couldn't commit to like you would want us to go on tour for like two or three months, and we were like, "No, we're not. We're you know, we're not comfortable doing that." Yeah. Because um, we've got families and we got jobs, and for the very reasons we spoke about earlier, you know, it's too fickle. You know. So where are things at now? Then I mean, you know, it's it's been a mad few years for for both of us in in different ways. You know, what yeah. I mean, and, and you know, for everybody, I suppose, in the world as well, going in terms of the lockdown and stuff and the shakeup that our industry has had. You know, we've come out of lockdown as we talked about on previous episodes. Um, you know, with the the venues are closing down and every fucking band on the planet is now trying to catch up on three years of lost touring so it's chaos yeah uh we're coming out of it into a, a new world now which is very kind of different to what we knew before um but we've also you know there's life stuff as well you know what i mean so so where is the band at now in terms of you know the road ahead and, and what's happening right now well in the summer we were going to record um a new single we were going to do something we've not done we're just going to do a pure single. We've not had a single campaign. Do you know what I mean? We've done the albums and then chucked some stuff out randomly. We've, cause you know, we've not had the finances, I suppose to like 
I've noticed like bands are just they would do like EPs and then make an album. Yeah. Have a campaign, but again, there's no point in us releasing EPs because well, we did once because we had a dodgy manager and we needed to get back on, and it was kind of there was a strategy to that. But because we make our money on the road, there's no point releasing an EP because there's no money in it. You can't right. charge enough for what it costs to make. Yeah. So we were like, so we were like, okay, well, we'll just do a single and we'll do a video and we'll make a, we'll do a campaign for that, building up to our next album. But our mom got really ill, um, and again, we just, you know, it's only rock and roll. But I'm not prepared to like, you know, give up sort of spending time with our parents and all the kind rest. Of family so first, man. Always, yeah. It's always family first. So we've been quiet because emotionally, we well, first of all, with Brexit, I'm not Brexit. First of all, we had the Brexit thing, and, we were, and it didn't really affect us to begin with. We, were, I was like, okay, let's see how that plans out. But then we had COVID, so we didn't. Yeah. We couldn't do anything about Brexit. And then you got these hurdles with fucking Brexit that we need to deal with now. But it was just like we when Mam got ill then we were just like, okay, we're not we're not emotionally in the headspace because we didn't we didn't we couldn't get in the in the room together during COVID. Yeah. And then when when we started it was very stop start. And then you because people have to like cast their memories back. It's gone quick. But like oh, yeah. it was never, it wasn't straight for a while, you know. Um and whereas in the past I used to write just on my own, this is the band is involved in the fact that it's more like um, uh, sort of oh, what's the word really? It's it's the two of us writing together. I'll write the guitarist and all, all the lyrics and the melody and stuff, but the arrangements is more collaborative. You know? Right, right. And we couldn't really get in the room to thrash out. And once when we did, we were starting to do it, and we were like, oh, built as it felt again. We were like, oh, this is amazing. Buzz is back, Stop yeah, practicing. yeah. Yeah, start practicing every because we did with the third album. Like, right, we got some fucking great songs. And we started playing them live, and it, that's all we always do: test note live and stuff. And the ideas were flowing for for albums, for songs that maybe wouldn't make it live, but they'll make the record. It got like that, and then and then Mam got ill, and um, it was just like family first, and it's too it's time consuming. And anytime spare we go now, we spend room with our mom and stuff. Yeah. And the band is a, is a family band, isn't it? It's like me and my brother. Yeah. Um, my dad, ironically, is a big part. If you go on tour, he kind of fucking, he's, unless it's not on an airplane, he's coming, but he wants to come. <laughs> um, so all that's come to a, a stop, really. And it's just like, basically, because, again, going back to what, a lot of what Sean says, is we I, we know the shit the industry is. And and this this is more important because like, yeah. the industry is so fickle and family isn't. So, we, you know, we, totally. we haven't stopped. And I haven't stopped writing. I still, I've still writing. It just um, parked up for a maybe, bit. Just parked up. We've got half an album. I mean, sweet, really. But it's not. You know, we've got to build on that because it's a lot acoustic based, and it's not really. You know, we're a bit of both. That's awesome, man. So, so all the uh, Henry's Funeral Shoe fans out there that have been thinking, you know, what what's going on? So basically, the band is is just parked up in the pit stop for a bit. You know, and when you guys are ready, you'll be back stronger than ever. Yeah, yeah, we just had to pull. We, I went a couple of gigs, like we just had to pull them because it's just there's too much going on, on our right. end, like you know? right. Um, Mom doesn't mind us talking about that, and that and that's fine. But it's because I can't imagine the band ever stopping. Really, you guys will be the last band standing, man. Honestly, I never thought my last band was going to end, and you've you've outlived us. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's very funny you should say. My brother would text me, "Oh, they've stopped again. These good bands." Yeah. we started the same time as a lot of bands, right? But we kept it simple. We kept it just us. 
um, we, we kept reinvesting. Um, we bought out our record contract, which I'm not sure, looking back, was a good idea. I'm not sure, but we had other people giving us the wrong impression. And to be honest, they were a great label, but they wanted us to release stuff so frequently. It's like yeah. it was almost pointless. And, and I'm not very prolific, and we're not prolific as a band. It's hard being a duo because it's, it's weird. The, the music we make is, you know, maybe it can be deemed as American something, but like I can't. If we were an American band, I probably we probably would have released about ten albums. But it's like you make a sound which is almost American or high, or a hybrid, maybe, mm. and you have to sing as a as a, I have to bring it across as a Welsh person, don't I? Or as a you know, it's like I think you've done the right thing, man. Because it, yeah, like if you were with the label, exactly like you just said, it's that hamster wheel thing there, and that's that's yeah. the model that the labels still stick to. You do an album, tour it, do an album, tour it, yeah. do an album, tour it. And I think you know, for you, and, and you've said this several times now, you know, the music comes first. So you'll make an album when you've got the album in you that you want to put out there. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? You know what I mean? Exactly. I remember him saying like, "Oh, you should do a covers album," and it may, it worked well for other bands. I was just thinking. I don't really, it just, I just, I know. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, no, and we were almost like falling out over stuff. And, right. And it didn't want it to come to that. And and then we, you know, we had the money off the car advert, so we thought, oh, okay, we'll buy out of our contract. And then I think that worked in our favour. I think we've lost out maybe some song placements and, and things like that as a result because I think, you know, a lot of people go there for, for song placements. Right. To that label they actually they actually seek it out but you know i mean you've done very well in that area though man i mean you've had more song placements as, as a band that i can that i can think of any oh, other band you've had tons of them it's not since that okay we had we did have we had a song with uh we had a song with our actor chris evans who plays like fucking captain america it's a good film actually just true film it's in that one before you go massive then we had the, we had the car we had one or two like things in america which wasn't massive you know just little like sporting things but since like when we come out to the label and we've done it ourselves, fucking hell, we've been like, we were the opening credits for I'm a Celebrity. Yeah. Um, a couple of years back, we were opening for Love Island. Love Island, uh, yeah. I've got this, like, there's a bit of a um, caveat there is we didn't give fucking proof to, we didn't agree to any of that because like, and that's the other thing, right? Fucking music industry, uh, the industry again, is like ITV send you um, something or can we use, it was a number of songs they wanted. It was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And you, the way it works is that they pay like they pay money or something to use certain songs or songs, right? From what I understand it. So if you give them the approval and you go, okay, and that's it, right? Right. So they can use it as they want. Um, so you get like inverted commas, the exposure and stuff. And we're like, oh, that's cool. So we didn't hear off them for fucking, I don't know, months, right? So you just assume it's just one of those emails again and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, I'm putting the kids to bed and I can hear my phone going mental downstairs and people are going, you know, I'm a celebrity. You know, I don't fucking watch that nonsense. So I didn't know. But <laughs> had I known, if ITV had come back to me and was like, um, yeah, we want to use our I'm a celebrity, I'd be like, well, okay, you can fucking cough up then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like time. the biggest yeah. show on TV at that yeah. time. We didn't get nothing. Right? I remember being in football with the boys like, and they were like, what the fucking hell are you wearing those boots for? 
you should be wearing fucking golden boots or something. Yeah, people think you've hit the big time, man. It's mad. It's yeah. so mad. I think I think TV has got a lot to like Simon Cowell and all that shit. You know, like The Voice and X Factor. People yeah. think like you know, once you you get you know a song on the radio or if you get a song on a TV show or an advert or something like that, that somehow you're getting paid millions. You know what I mean? It's 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 mental. You're like you're actually probably getting paid fuck all. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's almost a double-edged sword because it's like you get that, and it seems you know, it's like. Then people are like, oh, they've sold out, right? I want the opportunity to fucking sell out, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I I've always said, thing. man, it's not selling out, it's cashing in. Well, yeah, and, and like, and then, so they did that, and then the next thing I know, we're on, like, so we're not, like, just, like, background music. We were, like, the opening credits when they, of the main series for, like, three minutes when everyone's jumping out of a helicopter and being all introduced. And then they did the same thing with fucking, what did they do with? Oh, they did it with Love Island. And that's another thing I don't know. I don't watch, you know? It's like, fucking hell. And then, so then I think Channel 4 came onto us then and wanted us for all sort of the nonsense they do. Fucking, oh, Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother, or one of those, anyway. And I was like, they actually told us what it was going to be used for, and I was like, okay, I want some money for that. Yeah. They wouldn't pay us. And I was like, you're not having it then. Do you know what I mean? They were like, what about the exposure? I was like, <laughs> fuck off. That's not going to pay my mortgage. Yeah. not going to buy my kids' uniforms. Yeah. I fucking want some money. Because, like, it's not like we've given away we've given away away our stuff to like independent things. You know, a lot of people have started off and they're making little films that you say, yeah, yeah, cool. charities same, or whatever. You know, fuck, that's the same. You're in the same position as us, you know. But when you've yep. got these massive behemoth companies, yeah, fucking pay me, come and do an and wanting you f- they they like your song enough they want to use it in their program, but they don't want to pay for it. Yeah, well, fuck right off then. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you know. I, you know, if it's in a cool film or something, then it'll be great. But it's like, you know, Big Brother, like, yeah. it's, it's everything I don't like yeah. on TV, but I will gladly take the money to fucking feed my kids. Damn but right. they won't pay, so they can kiss my ass. But <laughs> I think you just, you just see the inner workings of it all, and it's just, once you can see all that, it's quite handy, but it's a double-edged sword. And, like, you, you, you know, maybe then when you're applying for festivals, the type of level we're at, we're seen as not cool because we've sold out then you have to like people have to know what went on before you know it's like we can't get in a lot of things and it's quite frustrating because we're a bit of an enigma we're not a blues band we're not a rock band we're a rock and roll band so it's yeah. like we play blues festivals and we offend people we play rock festivals and we do you know what I mean it's just like and then you've got these like cool indie festivals that we don't get on. But, then- but everywhere you go, though, you go down well everywhere, don't you? Whether it's if you, you well, know, I, I could see how you could play a blues festival and, and win that audience, but you could also play a, a hard rock festival and win that audience. Yeah, well, we've done it. We played like a real big blues festival. I can't remember where this was, but like, you know, the promoter was uh, was angry because we wouldn't play like an hour and 45. And I was like, dude, we'll fucking do all like, yeah. we don't do like, you know, the blues, you know, the crack, they'd be playing like guitar songs or something. <laughs> Like we still are going to play fifteen songs, buddy. But you know, it just equates to an hour, you know. Yeah. Um, and he wouldn't have us back. But when we you know, we played the festival and we sold out all the merch, we had like a line of like people queuing up. We've done it, and we and we we're good at stealing audiences and other people's. And we've played. I remember playing like in early days, like being played in like football clubs and rugby clubs. And I think, why are we doing here? But you know, we get offered like under fifty quid or something to do yeah. it. 50 quid and we got a European tour coming up so you have to chuck money in the pot yeah. and like people would come up and again he'd be down with my brother because like you know he'd be so animated and such a good drummer they'd be like music shit but your fucking drummer's awesome I'll come and watch you again <laughs> it's like I'll take that every day a week do you know what I mean um, 
But it is frustrating because we tour across Europe and, you know, we do some big festivals, and blah, blah. And you come to this country and it's like we can't get on anything. And it goes back to, like, you and I have had that conversation. We haven't got a manager anymore. We've been through a couple of managers, most of them. Well, all of them have been great, um, apart from one. Um, we're still friends with them all, but I think they get frustrated and, and they try and book the stuff and they can't get stuff. So we are literally, like, doing everything ourselves. Yeah, you know, and we, um, ninety percent of the time throughout this whole fucking um, whatever you want to call it, I ain't using that word journey because I fucking hate that. <laughs> oh my journey, <laughs> fuck off! So it's just like a proper American thing. I'm excited to see the journey we go. Fuck off! Um, <laughs> so this whole episode we've been on, this whole travel thing, right? See me skirt around that word. Um, <laughs> we've we've done it ourselves, like man. You be sitting there with totally. a laptop, totally literally open all the time and it's like the one thing i hate right i hate having my phone all the time i have to i'm in work and i've got to play to you know you'd be you'd be on, on facebook and stuff you know it's like ah oh, a festival pops up shit i better email him yeah, get on that. Totally. it's like it's going to the bargain eh? yeah fucking they must think, you know they must think i got something wrong with my bowels because i'm gonna <laughs> fucking email it to everyone and, <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like that's how you do it and it, it is fucking 24 7 24 7 man it's 20, it's, it is 24 7 and it's like and, and again as fickle as a business is if you don't reply to that email as quick as you can you can miss out blah, yeah. blah blah you know it's like it's all these things i've got endorsement with some amazing companies some of the best pedal companies in the world but if i don't get it for free the pedals or anything really but it's promotion yeah you know and send those things so you're on the front of of their page or whatever and it's yeah. just to keep and that's an uncomfortable truth you know it's like i get i'll get an endorsement i think got a great endorsement with tc electronics the beautiful um pedals but they can't afford to give me anything for free you know and i'll do that and then boys are like oh give me a pedal bit yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah can you give me a les ball <laughs> yeah it's like it's, it's not boys but it's like I was mean, like, how do you get that then? It's like literally sat, instead of watching fucking EastEnders, I'm literally sat there yeah. doing that. Same yeah, having no life. Brother, and I yeah, think, man. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm just, I'm just. No, you're just telling. describing the, the true reality of it, man, which I think is interesting for people because there is so much mystique and smoke and mirrors, you know, and part of that is, you know, we need to maintain some of that because we're in the entertainment game, aren't we? But I do think it, it is interesting for people to know that, you know, the actual living human people behind that, you know, how they, how they live their lives, you know? Well, yeah, and it's like listening to the Black, I listened to Sean talk, it was just, that was like, that was almost, I was driving along, listening, I was like, yeah, yeah, fucking right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to join in, you know yeah. what I mean? It was like, and they, he obviously, like, they were at a bigger level than we'll ever be at, you know? Yeah. That's not what the type of music the shoe makes and stuff. And I'll be honest, I was ignorant, it was bad, I knew it was bad, obviously, but I didn't listen to the music. I was, I'm always lost in my own sort of world of music. I always missed Same, yeah. It's funny, I remember when Oasis were massive, and I remember I was in school at the time, and the teacher was like, um, because I just discovered, like, Robert Johnson and stuff. And he was just like, oh, you're into music, you are, Ed. I think you were what teacher. I don't know. I think he was an English teacher. So, lovely guy. And I was like, yeah. He said, do you like Oasis? And I was like, who? <laughs> he was like, like almost punched him in the face. I was like, oh, I'm listening to this. And I give him, like, I give him a fucking tape of Robert Johnson stuff, you know. And I just discovered off the film Crossroads. And um, he gave it back to me. He was nice about it. But I could tell he didn't like it. Do you know what I mean? But, so that's why, like, things like the white stripe, anything that our music is associated with, it almost passed me by. I didn't yeah. get the, I didn't get the, 
the comparisons. Yeah. I just didn't get it. You're just making music that you want to hear. I get yeah. it now, and I understand it. And I understand why you they have to make those references, but I'd be like, I don't get that. I just like Same. ZZ Top. I, I've only recently got a ZZ Top album. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll find out what the, you know, and it's like, oh, maybe we do, maybe that one sound song of ours does sound like ZZ Top, but that wasn't the intention. And, and that time I didn't know any ZZ Top. And yeah. It's just, and touring makes you play different types of music. Sometimes I think, oh yeah, we're writing something and I'm like, that's going to sound shit on record, but I was going to kick ass. Yes. Yeah, totally. And you do that and you go over there, but without that live experience, you wouldn't have wrote that song or persevered. You'd be like, nah, nah, but now it's like, 100%. Yeah. And it's vice versa. Some songs I want to play live, but we've tried them and it's like, nah, man, they sound fucking dog shit. Like, <laughs> you know, they, sound great. they sound great on record. They're brilliant. You know, um, my, my sons are of an age now when they listen to me in the car, they go, my boy's like, Oh, what do you do for a living? So they know, like I teach music in the days and stuff. Teach guitars, and I'm like, oh, and I go on tour, so, and I was playing some of the earlier stuff in the car. My eldest turned on, he went, "Yeah, it's not your best song, though, is it?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, to your fans, you're like their idol, but then your kids are always gonna, you know, you're always gonna be dad to your kids. <laughs> oh, they always mock me. They go like, "Fucking hell, why do you write better songs?" They might, you know, why do you? They call me Alan. Why do you write <laughs> better songs, Alan? I want, I want a fucking I want a fucking PS5 for Christmas, Alan. Why can't you <laughs> write better Alan. songs? You know? <laughs> that's what they're all like. I'm like, yeah, all right, all right. You know what I mean? And it's like that's funny, man. But it's funny. What's funny is they are friends of like they are friends. The songs of the band. Like one time, my but my boy was on the phone on the, on his bus. Sorry, and he was like, he texted me on the way to school. He's like, Dad, there's a boy here, and he doesn't believe I'm your your son. Cause he's a massive fan of the <laughs> band. <laughs> I was like. Tell him to buy a T-shirt, but we got fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell him to prove it. <laughs> yeah, show me the vinyl. <laughs> yeah, I got a fucking, I got to pay for you with fucking school shoes. Tell him to buy a fucking couple of T-shirts. Like, you know? But it is, but, but it's great in the fact that like now because it's always been great because we've never chased that that dream just chasing yeah. the music you know and i think you've always done it the right way man i think that's why you're still around i think that's why you've got such a passionate fan base i think it's why you still own all of your own masters and your records and and you're able now to park up if you want to and then come back when you're ready which you wouldn't be yeah, able to do if you were on a that, label you'd be dropped no, like a sack of shit you know 100 percent, and that makes all i'm mean, like the last big label we went to you know and they want to own everything um, for for years and they wouldn't give it. It was like twenty odd years and they went and I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I want it. You know, and they were a big label and I was like, I want fucking fifty odd grand off. Show it. me the money. Yeah. They almost like, yeah, and they were like, because I was thinking, I want that money now because I know fitless industry is and I want that money now so I yeah. can work with it now. Yeah, because you know, because that's just how it works, isn't it? And they were like, well, no, well, we we can't give you that, but on your next album, we'll give you five grand towards recording. And I was like, fuck right off. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, they almost couldn't understand why. And it was almost like seeing us as being arrogant. It's like, well, no, we just see the reality of it. And, yeah. and long term, yeah. You know, exactly what you said. Ha, you know, imagine now you turn around and say, oh, we can't, we can't talk. Oh, mom's really ill. We can't, blah, you know, all these things. It'll be like, well, fuck you. Get on with it. Tough shit, yeah. You know, tough shit. Like, and I think, I can't remember. I've watched so many documentaries, but I think, I can't remember which one it was, but somebody said as soon as the accountants got involved and it became about units and blah, 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 yeah. I kind of, 
and shareholders. That's when it changes. Like, but it's never been lost to me. I've known that anyway. But it's, I think, I've had such a magical time. It's only now that I reflect. Like when we, you know, fucking hell, man, we went to Mississippi. Like, you've known me since fucking however long, and. When I went to Mississippi and played in Mississippi, because that's the music that made me want to play music and write songs, I honestly felt like I'd won the lottery. Yeah. Went there, played, done the gigs, come back, done the tour. Played in all these places that I dreamed about and read about. And and I didn't even know how to function after that. Everything felt really flat. Right. Because it was just like, you know, imagine like you, I don't know, you wanted to play rugby for Wales or you wanted to be an actor. I, I, you know, what everything, anything you've ever wanted to achieve at any point. Imagine achieving that, and then sitting back, yeah, and being like, you know, I was just like, yeah, it's done. I've done it. And that's um, that's sort of like I mean, to sort of like I suppose to end on uh, with a bit of balance because I mean, you know, we, we we talk a lot on the podcast about the negative sides of of being in a band in the music industry and stuff like that. Oh, I yeah. suppose that would be a good place to sort of like to remind people why we do do this. It's the it's, yeah, the, it's yeah, that yeah. magical moments like that. You know, we, we whereby you may have not have gotten paid and it may have been really difficult, but man, yeah, yeah. who else can say they did that? You know what I mean? When you when you were sat there after the show with the adrenaline cursing through your veins, looking out, thinking, "Fuck, man, I'm in miss." Mississippi, you know what I mean? Oh, it just and, and like that's that that's because and what I love is like we've got that through the generosity of other people and loving our music, right? You know, because there's been people out there, a lot of people just like us who love music who got the money, and these are the people I really admire. People like Chris Johnson, um, who was a guy right in Memphis, uh, Mississippi, uh, no, is he Minneapolis? So he was based there, and he loved music so much that he was he would put festivals on and from everyone off all over the world and would go there and he would lose like sometimes 50 grand a festival. Right? right. But we got out there and doing these festivals and these places from people like him. Yeah. And they would fly us into Switzerland and blah, blah, blah just cause they love the music and they want to, but so like we are putting ourselves on the line and so are they, you know, money and everything, you know? Yeah. And that's, I'm meeting those people traveling to those places is it's worth everything like and i think that that's the positives and people say oh would you do it again blah blah it's like well yeah because like it's 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 magic there's no other way to describe this like the, the, you know obviously true magic is watching your kids and yeah. blah blah but that's a feeling that unless you know what it's like to be a musician and there's a state and there's a flow called the flow state and you only get that when you're not thinking yeah and you and you it's a it's a weird thing and i've only felt it a few times because i've been like so anxious and nervous but when you're on stage sometimes and you're in that flow state it's fucking magic and you're not going to get to do that unless you're doing something you love just not i can't imagine like you know unless you love building houses and you're in a flow state building houses or whatever everything is like a means to an end isn't it but that is just it's just magic so the people i've met along the way and i'm excited to like keep it going it's just you know, it's frustrating at the moment, but life gets in the way. Like, you're yeah. not, real life is real life and everyone's going through it, you know? And I will go back to that podcast you did with Sean. It was very positive and very honest. And I think everyone should listen to that um, because it's a true rep- it's a true reflection of how the, the industry is, you know? And it's funny saying about Sean, saying about all the bullshit and stuff. And when people say things to me, I always immediately think bullshit first. Do you know what I mean? Let's, let's, see. let's, you know, not be negative, but it's like, let's see, you know, um, yeah. 
but but yeah, and, and the, the real people, the people who come to the gigs, people who buy the t-shirts, the vinyls, they, they fucking love it. And I am one of those people. I've started like consciously going to more gigs now, buying more records, buying yeah. more things because like my kids are older now, so I'm able to. And it's being just a fan of music, like so. You always want to put on the best show and make the best music because you don't want to feel like you're cheating people. Yeah. Because you are that person, really, aren't you? There's nothing like it, man. It, it, it's, it's transcendental, is what it is. You said about the flow, and I totally could agree with that, man. Because, you know, once you're up there on that stage, you know, with all the other stuff, you know, that go, we, we've talked about before, the travel, the tiredness, the, the, yeah. the business, the getting screwed over. When you're up there on that stage making that noise, you know, with your brother or your brothers in arms, you know, there is nothing like it, man. You can't put it into words. It's not, you can't, there's no words to describe that feeling. I think you either know it or you don't. The last gig we did, I think, yeah, we did in this in festival in Devon. And as we were driving down, the lady was like, oh, everyone's leaving. Do you want to come? She's like, you know, I think she was embarrassed, like, you know, because, again, we've got that presence online. I think she thought we were, like, bigger than what we were. Yeah. We were like, no, oh, we're coming. It's only two hours away, three hours, you know, to them. It's like a long drive. But because, you know, we used to tour it, it's like, oh, yeah. it's only a couple hours. Yeah. And honestly, God, there must have been 10 people in this tent. And we had an absolute fucking ball. There's no <laughs> way I was traveling. We were going to travel that far to just like to look down upon those people. There was only 10 people here. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like almost be patronizing them. It was like, no, man, you paid for us to come down. You were happy to pay for us to come down and entertain you. We are coming. And we had, it was fucking magic. Like, and it's part of the, it's part of that. It's part of some of my favorite songwriters and my mates. Yeah. So I was fascinated about that. And again, going back to what you were saying before, is we're on our own terms, is, you know, the, the next sort of songs we've got for the album, there's going to be fucking piano and cellos on it. Nice. Because like we, can, we can do that, you know. And do what you want. We choose to do that and because we, we are funding it. Yeah. You know? Because um, yeah. if you're a fan of songs and music, you just want to, whatever song you write, you want it to come out as best you can. So That's amazing. Well, I know that all the, uh, I know all the Henry's Funeral Shoe fans listen to this are going to be glad to hear that the band is, uh, you know, that they, they are just in, in the pit stop at a moment, you know, and they will be back and there are songs in the works. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's good news to all of us, man. So, um on behalf of all the H- HFS fans as well, of which I count myself as one, you know, we want to salute you guys for, uh, you know, staying true to your arts and staying independent and doing everything that you've done in order to to ensure that you guys are the last band standing and I think will continue to be <laughs> so, you know, and, and uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, when you guys regroup when, when everything's, you know, resolved and, you know, you guys are in a better place, you know, we look forward to uh, having you back, smashing all of our eardrums in. We like we like the cockroaches of the music industry. No, if there's like a fucking atomic bomb with that, nor do they say the cockroaches <laughs> will survive. The only things that are going to survive is it the cockroaches and you two fuckers. That's it. We'll still be here. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's honestly no. Your podcast is um, it's brilliant. You've had some amazing guests. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and always recommend this. So it's like thanks, man. So honored when you asked me to come on. Like I've I've lowered the tone, so you need to get fucking Henry Rollins or something on now. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get Henry. He's he's he's, he's playing hardball. He's playing hard to get at the moment. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm gonna I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. But yeah, no, I appreciate. It. I, I wanted to get you on for ages. You know what I mean? So um, you know, I, 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 I'm honored that you you give me your time. And uh, you know, it's, you know obviously we, we talk a lot on the phone anyway. You know, but we don't talk about this sort of stuff. We talk about you know mate stuff. So it, I've been able yeah, to yeah. sort of like I've been able to uh, you know to put my fanboy hat on and, and ask you what's happening with the band. <laughs> I'm only going to charge you 10 grand now, Jim. You stingy bat. Speak to my accountant when he gets out of jail. <laughs> <laughs>
Fucking hell. Al, thanks for coming on, man. It's been great to, to speak with you, buddy, and hopefully we'll do it no again problem. soon. Best wishes with everything ahead, and I can't wait to see you guys back out there again soon. No worries. Thanks again, buddy. See you soon. Thank you, man. Cheers, Al. Yeah, man. Bye. Mr. Alex Clifford of Henry's Funeral Shoe fame. What a dude. Let's hear it for him. Put it together. So there we go. All you screaming HFS fans, it's good news. The boys are going to be back kicking on your asses and eardrums really soon. And it's nice to hear of a band story or journey, to use the word that Alex hates, uh, on the podcast, you know, that this got some positive elements to it. You know what I mean? Like the boys are still going strong. You know, they're fully independent. They're in control of their own game. And uh, they haven't been screwed and crushed <laughs> and shat out by the industry bullshit machine, you know? So it is possible. And as I said, if you haven't yet heard the band, do go and check out Henry's Funeral Shoe. Uh, they're available, you know, on all the all the streaming platforms. They've got some awesome merch as well, the t-shirts and vinyl and uh, CDs and all that jazz. They've got some awesome music videos and some live footage on YouTube that you can check out as well. If you if they come to your town, you know, when the band are back in action, do go out and check these guys. You will not fucking believe the sound these two guys make on stage. Honestly, it's insane. I hope you enjoyed the chat. As always, if you did, please do subscribe, leave uh, a rating and a uh, review or a comment or whatever you want. Uh, It really helps us to keep this thing moving. And I will see you guys on the other side. In 2023, we're kicking straight in, first week of Jan, with some awesome, awesome guests lined up. They just keep coming, so do subscribe. Keep an eye on what's happening and stay in touch and keep listening. I hope you all have an amazing Christmas. Thanks so much to everyone that supported the podcast this year. I didn't have a podcast this time last year, you know. And when I started this thing, I had no idea that I would I would be on episode number 34. You know, I've, I've spoken to some of my heroes and with, with many more lined up as well. So thanks so much for everyone that's like, you know, been listening and subscribing and, and encouraging me to keep this thing going because, uh, you know, I had, I had no ambition ever to do a podcast. And yet here we are going strong. And hopefully this time next year, I'll still be doing this thing. I wish you all an amazing Christmas, whatever you're doing, whoever you're doing it with and wherever you're doing it, I'll be there with you in spirit and I look forward to uh, reconnecting with all you amazing people in two short weeks. Take this time to uh, do a little bit of self-care, check in with what's really important in life. You know, at this time of year, it's all about friends and family and the real shit. You know what I mean? So anything that still needs to be done can fucking wait. Take this time to recharge, refuel, get some fuel in your tank ready for January and uh, put your feet up and enjoy yourself. I wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks again for all your support and your patience and your understanding and encouragement and general awesomeness. It never goes unnoticed. I really, really do appreciate it. And I look forward to reconnecting with you all really, really soon. In the meantime, I love you as always. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And I'll see you on the flip side.